Now, in this series, we've been seeking to convince you what the scriptures say about you, and that is you are a masterpiece. No matter what anyone else has said about you, no matter what you have done, through your faith in Christ, God sees you as a masterpiece. You are a masterpiece. But how many of you know you can be a masterpiece but not act like a masterpiece? Now, I've been honest with you guys over the years about my struggles with anger. Uh, it's just a part of my story. And uh, I found that with angry people, there's usually two or three incidents that finally force them to face their anger. And so in my life, one of them happened right down at the corner of Bandera in 1604 when the new HEB opened. So I went grocery shopping for the family, and of course, I got the good stuff that dads get when dads go grocery shopping. I got Ho-Ho's and Oreos and Fritos and sodas and two gallons of ice cream. <clears throat> and of course, it was summer in San Antonio, so it was over 100 degrees. And so I wanted uh, uh, to protect my ice cream uh, rituals. And so when I came to the checkout line, I sort of walked up and down looking for the shortest checkout line and the person with the fewest things, right? So I noticed this uh, older lady in line and no one was behind her and she didn't look, look like she had much stuff. So I decided that's the right line to, to bring my ice cream to. So I pulled in behind her and the checkout guy begins to you know, process her groceries. And then he finds a bag with red grapes and white grapes in the same bag. That's right. Red grapes in the same bag with white grapes. And I start thinking, oh man, lady, you've been grocery shopping longer than I've been alive and even I know you can't put red grapes in the same bag as white grapes. Get it together. Well, the checkout guy says, ma'am, I'm sorry, you can't put red grapes in the same bag as white grapes. And she said, but they're both 99 cents. And I'm thinking, it doesn't matter if they're both 99 cents. The checkout guy said, ma'am, it doesn't matter if they're both 99 cents. We have to keep track of how many red grapes get sold versus how many white grapes get sold. And I'm thinking, okay, dude, don't give her a lecture on the philosophy of grape tracking. Just get this lady out of my way. And so the checkout guy dumps the bag of grapes onto the counter, and they begin to separate the bunches of white grapes from the bunches of red grapes. And as they're separating the bunches of white grapes from the bunches of red grapes, white grapes and red grapes begin to fall off the vines, and they tumble down the conveyor belt, spilling into her groceries. And I'm thinking, let them go, lady. Let them go. But she walks around to where the grapes were, spilled in her groceries, and she begins to pick up every red grape and white grape that fell out. It's like she counted the exact number of red grapes and white grapes she needed for some kind of red grape, white grape salad or something. And my lava is boiling. And did I mention when I got into the line, I checked my watch. It was now 4.5 minutes. That's right, why my ice cream was melting in H-E-B pur purgatory. 4.5 minutes, that's an eternity in ice cream time. Well, we finally get through the, the, the red grape, white grape debacle. And I'm thinking, okay, okay, calm down, calm down. This is getting ready to be over. And so he, he processes the rest of her stuff. And I'm thinking, okay, we're winding down. It's about five minutes now. And then guess what? 
she pulls out a fistful of coupons. No! <laughs> yeah, your pastor's messed up. By the time I got up there, I, I was just so angry. And I just treated that poor checkout guy like terrible. And when I slipped into my car, you know, when I got all my stuff out, I was still breathing heavy and my heart was racing. And I thought, dude, what is wrong with you? Let's just say I didn't act like a masterpiece. It's a good thing I wasn't wearing my city church t-shirt that day. <laughs> and here's the thing, when I'm sitting in my car trying to even understand why, what was going on, I knew I wasn't angry at that sweet older lady. I knew I wasn't angry at the checkout guy. He was just doing his job. In fact, that's what made it worse. I didn't know why I was so angry. But I finally admitted I was an angry person. Are you an angry person? The greatest hindrance to you becoming the masterpiece that God sees in you, it's not the anger around you. It's the anger within you. Unresolved anger within us creates toxic emotions that lead to toxic actions. It can lead to explosive rage, brooding bitterness, smoldering depression. When we have unresolved anger, it can turn a happy-go-lucky child into an angry, passive-aggressive teenager. It can turn a sweet, energetic mom into a depressed mess. It can turn an intelligent, passionate boss into an intimidating tyrant. Are you an angry person? Now, doctors Les Carter and Frank Menrith are a Christian psychologist and psychiatrist who wrote the book, called the Anger Workbook. And in it, they define anger this way. <clears throat> they said it's the energy we experience when we feel compelled to preserve personal worth, essential needs, or basic convictions. And God wired us to feel anger. And it's a physical response. Once that, that switch gets flipped, your body reacts. When you feel threatened in some way, your body reacts. Adrenaline gets released into your bloodstream, your eyes dilate, and it's all preparing your body for the fight or flight response. And once it gets tripped, there's not a lot you can do about it in the moment. But they add, anger is a God-given emotion. Jesus had anger and expressed it. While anger is God-given, lingering anger is not. Lingering anger reflects unresolved tension in a person's heart. And a person with unresolved lingering anger will express it. It will either come out as uh, explosive aggression, like you know, screaming at your dog or yelling at your kids, stuff like that, or it comes out in passive-aggressive ways, like using the silent treatment to punish someone or pouting to get your way. And usually people go one way or the other. You know, they either struggle with losing their temper or of sort of wallowing in the, the mud of bitterness and resentment. So do you tend toward fits of raids or do you tend toward pits of depression and resentment? We all can struggle to deal with our anger. But there's good news. Masterpieces have a pathway to resolve our anger issues, so they don't mar the beauty within us. And so in his letter to the Ephesian believers, Paul is, is 
helping them unpack how to live in light of who they are. If you remember we said in the first part of his letter, he focused very much on who we are in Christ. We are masterpieces. We are chosen. We are loved. But now in this part of the letter, he transitions to helping us understand how to live in light of who we are. And it's, it's clear that in that first church, they had some anger issues going on within their body, and it was threatening the unity of their church. In fact, Paul noticed in particular, these are his words, not mine, bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, and malice. And so before we get into the passage, can I just say that if you struggle with anger, like I do, we're not alone. The first believers struggled with anger too in the first church. It's okay. You're not going to surprise God. All right, you ready? So where do we begin? Well, Paul begins to help us deal with anger where anger begins, which is in the mind. This is Ephesians 4.17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their what? Their thinking. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness." So Paul says, if you want to defuse anger, you have to put off old dysfunctional ways of thinking and the ways of processing life and then put on new ways of thinking that are inspired by God's righteousness and God's holiness. You see, it's those old dysfunctional ways of thinking and, and the way you process life that lead us to act out of character as masterpieces. We must all admit and face old ways of thinking that sabotage our lives. So many times I see new believers begin their journey well, only to end up wrecked alongside of the road because of old dysfunctional ways of thinking that they just haven't gotten out of their lives. And then, of course, there's people like me. I'd been a believer for decades. I'd read the scriptures for decades. I'd been a pastor for 15 years. And I was still oblivious to the anger within me. And it all comes, as I go back and look, think about the conversation in my mind at the AGB. It's dysfunctional thinking that stirs up our anger. Now, pastor and New York Times bestselling author Rick Warren calls these, dis these dysfunctional ways of thinking stinking thinking. Can you say that with me? Stinking thinking. And it's those stinking ways we think. It's those stinking ways that we process disappointment, hurts, problems, and conflict that lead to stinking emotions, that lead to stinking actions, that stink up the masterpieces God can see in us. You see, it's one thing to believe who you are. You are a masterpiece. But it's another thing to allow who you are to influence how you live. To allow who you are on the inside through the spirit that God gives you, which is beautiful to influence the way you act and behave on the outside. To become the masterpiece you are, you must address any stinking thinking that is causing you to act in uncharacteristic ways befitting of a masterpiece. You must allow the master artist to put off 
those old ways of thinking that are stirring up anger within you in an inappropriate way. He must put off everything that doesn't look like the masterpiece he sees in you. Now, a few weeks ago, I mentioned to you that my wife, uh, Barbara, won a, a trip for us to go to Italy. And it was very cool. We spent a week in Italy and visited Rome and Florence and other cities like that. And in Florence, we got to see perhaps one of the greatest masterpieces ever. And that's the King David statue of Michelangelo. This statue was created by Michelangelo when he was 26 years old. It's 17 feet tall and weighs over 12,000 pounds. It's an amazing structure. And when asked how he set about to create such a monumental masterpiece, Michelangelo said this. In every block of marble, I see a statue as plain as though it stood before me, shaped and perfect. I only need to chip away the rough walls that imprison the lovely apparition. In other words, the master artist could see the masterpiece in the block, and he just chipped away everything that didn't look like the masterpiece he could see. And that's how God works in our lives. He is the master artist. He sees the masterpiece within us, but he has to chip away everything that doesn't look like the masterpiece he can see. He has to chip away those old ways of thinking and those old ways of acting. And through renewing your mind, you give God permission to chip away, chip away. So you become the masterpiece. And so God chips away the lust. He chips away the greed. He chips away the fear. He chips away the pride. And yes, he chips away the anger. And so now Paul's going to take this principle of putting off and putting on, renewing our mind, and he's going to apply it to resolving anger in our lives. You ready? This is verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Now, literally in Greek, Paul, Paul wrote, be angry, but do not sin. And so that tells me that feeling angry is not a sin. Remember, God wired us this way. <laughs> and, and this is, now, this truth is important because when I first realized I was an angry person, every, every time I felt angry, I beat myself up and said, what a, what a jerk Christian are you? Feeling anger is God-given. It's the way we're wired. God created us to feel angry about injustice, about unmet needs, about pain, about abuse, about hurtful words and hurtful actions. We're supposed to feel angry about those things. So feeling anger is not a sin. And so Dr. Menrith calls this kind of anger, he calls it uh, a justified anger, he calls it assertive anger. He said, there are times when it's normal to take a stand in your relationships. If you feel disrespected or ignored and you do nothing, you will eventually become sour and your contributions to the relationships will be negative. Assertive anger allows you to keep a clean slate with others. So feeling assertive anger is not a sin, but what we do with it can be a sin. So if we respond to the anger we feel by speaking hurtful words or doing hurtful actions in response to the person who hurts us, that can be a sin. And then 
According to Paul, if we let the sun go down on our anger, if we allow anger to remain within us unresolved, if we hold on to grudges, if we choose to wallow in the mire of bitterness and resentment, if we let the sun go down on our anger, that's when it becomes sin. We gotta resolve the anger. When we let the sun go down on our anger, that's what Paul says, we give the devil a foothold in our lives. And when he has a foothold, it leads to stinking thinking. And what I've realized is that's what happened in my life. When someone would hurt me with words or actions, I would just shake it off and move on. I wouldn't retaliate, I wouldn't seek revenge, and so in, in my mind, in my thinking, I was exhibiting self-control, which is a, a characteristic of God. It's a fruit of the Spirit of God. So I viewed it as a good thing, but it wasn't really true. Because what was really happening is someone would hurt me, and I'd, I'd hold on to the hurt, and I would move on. And then a hurt came upon hurt, came upon hurt. And eventually you have so much pain that it comes out. And that's what happens with unresolved anger. My unresolved anger marred the masterpiece that God could see in me. I needed to let God chip away the unresolved anger in my life so I could actually live like the masterpiece I am. So how does God chip away our anger? Paul continues, verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice, and instead... Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. That's the put off and the put on, the renewing of the mind. Put off the old destructive dysfunctional expressions of unresolved anger. That's what God wants to chip away, right? And then put on new ways of processing anger in a healthy way. That's, that, that's those nice touches that God wants to add to the masterpiece, but how do you do that? How do you move beyond the hurtful words and actions? How do you shake off the disrespect or the neglect? I hope you notice this. Remember who you are. Through your faith in Jesus Christ, God forgave you of everything. And what a wonderful reality. And from that point forward, you're a forgiven person. That is who you are. That is who we are. We are forgiven people, and forgiven people forgive. Forgiven people forgive others the way God has forgiven us. And here's the cool thing. When we forgive others the way God forgives us, the unresolved anger goes away. That's what God wants for us. Forgiven people possess the inner grace and kindness and compassion to forgive others the way God forgives us. That's the way masterpieces think. That's the way masterpieces act. That's the way masterpieces forgive. And so I wanna help you begin to resolve any unresolved anger in you today. This is not gonna be a theory day. This is gonna be an action day. And so we're gonna process some of our anger today. And so I wanna give you a little bit of advice, some, some things I've learned as I've processed my anger. First, you got to take forgiveness to the inner circle. Take forgiveness to, to the inner circle. And this is what I mean by that. If you can picture your relationship 
your relationships as concentric circles, where on the outer circle or the like acquaintances, people you didn't know very well, didn't know very long, but who may have hurt you in some way. And then the next layer are people you knew longer, knew better or closer to. And then you get to those inner circle people, the people you knew the best, but also the people who had the greatest potential to really hurt you deeply or maybe over a long period of time. Now, here's what I noticed in my own processing of my anger and trying to forgive people is I, would, I started with the outer circle relationships, the people I didn't know for long, the people I didn't really, uh, wasn't even really connected with anymore. You know why? Because it was easier. It wasn't very painful, frankly. I mean, so, so like, let me give you an example. So like, I forgave this coach that was just a jerk when I was in high school. But you know, I only knew him for about a year and I hadn't seen him in decades. So it was like pretty easy and I felt pretty good. Yeah, I forgave that coach. And then I forgave a friend who betrayed me. So it was a, that was more of a, the next layer. And he betrayed me. But honestly, we hadn't seen each other for many years and you know, the pain wasn't too big, you know. And so when I forgave him, I felt pretty good. But what I noticed in my pattern was either in some ways I didn't see the hurts from relationships that were the closest to me or I just didn't acknowledge the pain and I had stuffed it down so far. I, I hardly, it's almost like I couldn't remember what was said and what was done. It was like my way of just dealing with it and moving on. I just would forget about it, but it was there. And so if you're gonna get relief from anger, you have to take it to the inner circle. You have to take forgiveness to the innermost circle. And for some of you for whom your anger involves self-loathing, you know what I mean by that? Well, then you're gonna have to take forgiveness to the innermost circle, which is forgiving you. And so I'm gonna speak a truth to you. If God has forgiven your sin then as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he has removed your transgressions from you. And you have no right to not forgive yourself. Because if God has forgiven you, you are free to forgive yourself. So let it go. God has. And it will help you resolve your anger. The second piece of advice uh, that I've learned about uh, forgiveness and anger, uh, I actually learned recently from Mr. Rogers. And that, yeah, oh, I love that guy. And that is empathize with the person who wronged you. Now, last week I told you Barbara and I got to see the amazingly successful documentary about Mr. Rogers called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And as an ordained Presbyterian minister, <coughs> excuse me, Mr. Rogers helped children face some horrible events that they experienced and that, that made national news. Like, uh, a lot of the racial violence in the 60s, he helped children process that. He helped children, children process the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and the assassination of, Dr. Bobby, of uh, Senator Bobby Kennedy. He helped children process the painful experiences they saw that were happening during the Vietnam War. And he helped children process the painful uh, sights that they saw when the terrorist attacks occurred on 9-11. And this is how he did it, very interesting. He taught children to empathize with people who had done some horrible things. And this is how he did it. He would say, now, I wonder what that person heard or what they experienced when they were a child to make them want to shoot somebody. Isn't that sad? 
he would say things like, I wonder what they were taught and how they were treated as kids that would make them want to fly airplanes into buildings and hurt people they don't even know. Isn't that sad? And he was teaching children how to empathize with people who had done some horrible things. And he was doing that as a follower of Christ to teach children how to empathize with people who had hurt us so that they would forgive them. Empathy allows you to humanize someone you may have demonized. I'm going to say that again. Empathy allows you to humanize someone you may have demonized. Because a lot of times what happens is when someone hurts us, they shrink down to the size of the hurt they committed against us. And we forget about thinking about them as human beings. Empathy allows you to recognize that that person who hurt me probably was hurt himself or herself. I wonder what he experienced. I wonder what she heard that made them hurt me the way they did. And it, and it doesn't let them off the hook for the hurt, right? We understand that. A hurt is a hurt. You have to name it so you can forgive it. But empathy allows you to forgive the person who has hurt you and get beyond the pain. And you know what else? Empathy allows you to be like Jesus Christ. Do you remember what happened when Jesus Christ was being crucified? He showed empathy for those who were hurting him. Do you remember what he prayed from the cross for those who were crucifying him? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. And that perhaps becomes the hardest truth that Jesus ever taught about forgiveness. And that is to pray for the person who wronged you. I found that if you can get to the point where you can pray for the person who wronged you, where you can bless that person, where you can actually want what is best for that person and pray for that person, it takes forgiveness to its deepest level and it releases you of the tension because you entrust that person into God's hands. And that's what God wants for your life. When you do that, it's like you give God permission to chip away all the anger. And it gives you peace, which is what you want. Church ought to be a place where angry people can come and become the masterpieces God sees in them. And City Church is that kind of safe community where you really can get honest about your anger issues. I promise you, you're not going to shock us. You're not going to scare us. We will love you as you are. We won't judge you, but we will help you. And I know what I'm talking about. I came here 20 years ago as an angry pastor. And the people in this safe community of grace, they challenged me. They confronted me at times because I needed it. They helped me see what I was like. But they helped me find peace. They help me resolve my anger. And we can help you too. Now, whenever I, I talk about anger, I usually tell a story that helps people have hope because sometimes some of us have been angry for so long, we're not sure we can even be any different. And that's not true. So when I finally admitted I was an angry person, I went through our church's program to help process anger and really all kinds of dysfunctional ways of thinking and behaving 
Uh, we now call it PTO, peel the onion, but it, we used to call it something else, but it's the same process. I went through it three times myself. And as I began to take forgiveness to the inner circle relationships and to you know, recognize my old dysfunctional ways of thinking and, and begin to think in new ways about my anger, I felt like I was changing. You know, I felt like I was becoming that masterpiece that God could see in me. But you know, I wasn't sure because I didn't realize I was angry before and so I wasn't sure I could even judge my own emotions anymore. You know, you get, you get to where you, you doubt yourself. Well, something happened uh, during that time to help me see what was happening in me. Uh, my daughter, Anna, was about 10 or 11 at the time, and she was in an acting class. And in this acting class, she was uh, learning how to display different emotions from the stage. And her acting coach said that she was doing pretty well in displaying different kinds of emotions except for one. He said she did not do very well displaying anger. He said whenever she tried to act angry and look angry, she just couldn't get there. She, it was like it wasn't in her, which is sort of cool. So then my wife was at home working with Anna, reminding her of how angry people look and what they say and how they talk and what their hands look like and their face. And my daughter said, oh, you mean the way daddy used to be? The way daddy used to be. There is hope. If you will submit your life to the master artist, he can chip away the anger. And you can live like the masterpiece you are. Let's pray together. And like I said, this is not just a, a theory talk today. We're going we're gonna to do some work. And so I'm going to help you begin to resolve your anger right now. And so I want you to think of somebody who has hurt you that you need to forgive. Lord, I, I just pray that you would bring into mind for every person someone that they need to forgive, someone who has hurt them. And I would say don't settle for the outer circle person. If there's an inner circle person that God brought to your mind, let's forgive that person. Are you ready? I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. It's a prayer of forgiveness. And maybe you can just whisper it if you want to, or pray it, uh, but um, I'm going to lead you through it phrase by phrase so you can forgive this person. Are you ready? God, I do believe in you, and I believe you love me, and I believe you have forgiven me. Thank you for your forgiveness. And you ask me to forgive others. And so today I choose to forgive. Name the person, name what the person did to you. And don't give it the nice name, give it the ugly name. Lord, I forgive him for this. I forgive her for this. Yes. And God, I lift this person up to you. And I ask you to bless this person. If he or she does not believe in you, I pray that they would come to know you and put their trust in you too. And Lord, I, I give this person up to you and I entrust him or her into your hands. And Lord God, I ask you to do what you promised. Do You said that if we would forgive others as you have forgiven us, that you would chip away the anger, the unresolved tense anger that's making our emotions so toxic. 
I ask that you would fill us with your spirit of peace and joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, that's church. <laughs> um, our, our prayer team, yeah, thank you. <laughs>